And uh, so today we're going to continue on in part three of our series that we've been looking at and we've been going through. And this series, we've been talking about what's the point, finding purpose when things seem pointless, and uh, finding purpose when things seem pointless in life. And, uh, and we've been looking at the life story, at a story from the life of Saul, who was a character in the Old Testament who became the first king of Israel. Saul became the first king of Israel after Israel had rejected the prophets, and, and he was anointed king over Israel. But in order for him to become the king, he had to go on what we've been talking about, a donkey mission. You may ask, well, what in the world is a donkey mission? And we're going to read through some of that story, but what had happened is some of the donkeys had gotten lost, of his father's donkeys had gotten lost, and his father had sent him on this mission to retrieve the donkeys. This mission was not one that Saul wanted to be on. This mission was not one that Saul had any interest in. He, it's very obvious as we read through the story, you'll see he had no interest in going on this. He was not happy that his father had sent him on this thing. But on this mission, unbeknownst to Saul, was where he would be anointed as king over Israel. And if Saul had refused to go on the mission, if Saul had refused to follow through, and if Saul had not been kind of spurred on by his servant, by the servant that was with him, Saul might have missed the plan that God had for his life. And so we're talking about this donkey mission because it seems like a lot of times we go through what we might compare to donkey missions, go on where we find ourselves in places in life where we don't want to be there, we don't want to be going down this road, it's frustrating to me to be in this place, it's, it's maddening to me to be in this place, I don't understand what in the world God is doing in this, and, and, and we don't understand, and, and it's easy for us to quit, but if we quit, we might miss what God has for us. And that's where Saul found himself out. You and I find ourselves in obviously pointless situations at times, but God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. And when I find myself in a pointless play, place, I always remember that scripture that Paul spoke about in Romans chapter 8. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So you might find yourself on a donkey mission, and we want to help you with that as you navigate these missions in life. In the first week, Pastor Brian spoke about what a donkey mission is and how it, sometimes we find ourselves in pointless places. There's times even in, as a parent, you're parenting your kids and you're like, are they ever going to get it? You know what I mean? You just want to give up. But you see as they grow and you see as they become teenagers and they grow through that and they become adults, you'll see that the mission is worthwhile. And we see things like that that we go through, and, and sometimes it seems like, why am I in this place? Last week, Pastor Brian spoke about our past and how our past so often stops us from going through, from going forward. We let our past, we let the hang-ups of our past keep us from going on to be what God wants us to be. And uh, if you missed any of those, they're available on our Facebook or our YouTube page, and you can go back and check those. Today... We're going to talk about something that we all deal with, something we don't like to talk about, but something we all deal with, and that's excuses. You're like, oh, pastor, you can go on. I don't ever offer any excuses, right? We're going to talk about excuses for a moment. As I was preparing for this, I served as a chaplain for a police department, and I walked into the lunchroom one day, and I had 
a bunch of my officers there, and I said, hey, guys, what's the funniest story or what's the best excuse you ever got from somebody who was speeding? This older sergeant says, you know, I remember several years ago, I pulled this guy over for speeding, and as I walked up to the car and asked him for his license and his registration, I, I asked him, I said, why are you going so fast? He said, well, sir, he said, I got my son in the back seat, and he's sick, and I'm just trying to get him home. And the sergeant said, I got kids too. I, I get that. That makes sense. He said, well, just slow down a little and be careful. And he says, I started to walk away. The little boy in the back seat said, Dad, I'm not sick. <laughs> he said, the guy looked at me. He said, I'm getting a ticket, ain't I? <laughs> he said, yeah, you are. <laughs> you got to be careful with your excuses. Huh? <laughs> excuses will get us in trouble. Excuses could be a problem, amen? Excuses could be an issue for us in our lives. When was the last time you made an excuse? Sometimes I think this can be a hard question because we don't always realize that we're making them. And yet in hindsight, we can more easily see where excuses have limited us or held us back. And that's why we want to talk about excuses today. Let's pray together as we get into this. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. God, you're a good God. I pray today, as we dig into your word, I pray, God, for an anointing to preach your word, God, that it would be a word that changes our lives, a word that encourages us, a word that helps us to go forward and be who you've called us to be. Father, I love you and I praise you, and I pray for your anointing over your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's review Saul's story that we've been walking through over these past few weeks and take a few moments. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 9. Uh, we're going to put it up on the screen, but if you want to go to your Bibles or, or your app or your phone, wherever you look at, read, read the word out. Uh, I, I was joking with somebody. I said, I can't remember the last time I opened my Bible because I read so much of it on my app or on my pa iPad always anymore now. And uh, sometimes I do like to just open the pages, but wherever you read it at, I want you just to read the word of God. Amen. 1 Samuel chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, there was a Benjamite, a man of standing, whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, the son of Zeror, the son of Bekroth, the son of Aphiah of Benjamin. Kish had a, man, a son named Saul, as handsome a young man as could be found anywhere in Israel, and he was a head taller than anyone else. Now the donkeys belonging to Saul's father, Kish, were lost. And Kish told his son Saul, take one of the servants with you and go and look for the donkeys. And so they're off. They're off on this crazy journey, man. I got to go look for donkeys. Any of you, did your fathers ever send you to look for donkeys? <laughs> Can you imagine this? Go look for the donkeys. I mean, what a crazy thing to get sent on, a, what a crazy mission to get sent on, and he's going to look for the donkeys. And so he, he takes off, and they don't find him. You see in verse 4 that they've gone to a lot of different places, and they don't find him. So as we get to verse 5, it says, When they reached the district of Zub, Saul said to the servant who was with him, Come, let's go back to my father. Go back, or my father will stop thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about us. Saul's saying, hey, man, look, we've been out here too long. We've been to too many places. We haven't found those stupid donkeys, and I'm sick and tired of this mission we're on. I don't want to be here. I want to go home. So he makes it sound like I'm just going to go home so my dad won't be worrying about me anymore. 
Saul's ego's kicking in, see? He's got, he, he wants it. I'm, I'm just done with this, and I want to go back. But his servant replied, look in this town. There is a man of God. He is highly respected, and everything he says comes true. Let's go there now. Perhaps he will tell us the way to take. Saul said to his servant, but if we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? You see, in this moment, Saul comes up with an excuse. I want to go home. I'm sick and tired of being out of here. And you're saying we'll go talk to the, to, to the man of God, but, but we've got nothing to give him, so we can't go over there. That was Saul's excuse. That was where Saul offered up an excuse. We don't have anything, so we're going to go home. We're, we're done with this mission. We're going home. His servant was offering a legitimate option, but Saul was offering nothing but excuses. And I want to take a few moments this morning, and I want to talk to you about three, tell you, talk about three things about excuses that we might learn this this morning. And I want to start the first one. We've got a little video I want to show you to talk about where all excuses start at. I got a, got a big butt. It's gigantic, if I'm going to be blunt about it. And you know what? The funny thing is, I got several big butts. And, and before, you, before you discard me or, or wince at the disgusting notion of that, I'm going to go out on a limb here and suggest that possibly you have at least one big butt as well. Yeah, you like that? Hurts a little, huh? Let me tell you something. Let me just tell you something, okay? Everybody we know has a big butt. And more often than not, it's the thing that actually gets in the way of us living a consistent life for Jesus. Yeah, I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm going to expound a little bit, okay? See if you can recognize some of these butts. But I have to work more. But my favorite TV show is on. But my kids have practice. But I got to tweet something. But it's such a beautiful day. But I'm just not in the mood. But I deserve a break today. You see, everything kind of interferes with my life of, of just living an authentic life for God, okay? And more often than not, it always has something to do with some sort of butt, okay? Even the littlest of butt can get, distract me. It really can. The littlest butt can make me think, well, I'm not going to pray today. I'm not going to think about it today. I'm not going to deny myself. I'm not going to read the Bible, blah, blah, blah. Whatever God asks me to do, I seem to have a butt for it and get away, okay? And the most horrendously big butt of all time is the butt that gets in the way of me just hanging out with God and reading His Word. It's true. Think about it. All the times you're about to open that, and all of a sudden a big giant butt gets in the way. A butt much like one of these. But I got a farm bill, but I'm tired, but the game's over, but I read last Tuesday, but I gotta check Facebook, but I don't like Leviticus, but it's too hot in here, but I, I just don't like books, but I don't understand it, but it's boring. But what does that have to do with me in the 21st century? Those are some ugly butts, people. Let's just call them what they are, ugly. Ugly butts, okay? And there's a lot more to them, sad but true. Here's a list, although not exhaustive, of some of the most popular butts known to mankind. But I don't have enough money yet. But others will think that I'm a nerd if I carry the Bible. But they won't like me if I talk about Jesus. But I don't know if God will do what I ask. But I just can't get motivated. But I'm afraid. But I don't have all the answers. But the small group is the same night as Monday Night Football. But can I just let my life speak for itself? But I'm not happy. That's not my gift. That's the pastor's job. But I don't know how to pray. But I can't believe that. But I don't know where to start. But everybody else is having fun. Butts abound, friend. But, 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 but. Here a but, there a but. Everywhere a but, but. Okay? And, and, and the most overused but of all time, but I just don't have enough time. Really? Oh, come on. We have a lot of buts. God has given us a real simple word. Okay? If we learn it and we share it and we teach it, 
and we live by it, then see, God gets glorified, people benefit, and then we get blessed. That's why we do what we do. That's the why behind the butt. Okay, and ultimately, that's the whole point I'm trying to make here, my fellow butt lovers, is if your butt is bigger than your why, then your butt's too big. Okay, it's time to, metaphorically speaking, snap into a Slim Jim. Okay, let's slap on some spiritual shape-ups and hit the road a little bit so we can just manage the butts a little bit. That's all we're trying to do. That's what we're talking about. Let's minimize the excuses. Let's shrink the butts. Shrink the butts. Say it with me. Shrink the butts. That's what we need to do. And you and I can do that together. We can conquer this. You and I can do it. We start the day, okay? I know we can. Let's just do it. No ifs, ands, or... Yeah. I think you get it. <laughs> Anybody else feel convicted when you watch that? All excuses start with a but. And if we're honest, we all would probably admit that we all have a big but. Amen? When was the last time a pastor said that to you? <laughs> but we have those buts, those excuses. But I, I, I can't do this because I don't have enough time. I can't do this because I don't have enough talent. We, we come up with excuses uh, for, for almost anything. And if we want an excuse, we can always find an excuse. And it usually starts with the word, but. But I can't get up early to exercise. I can't get up early to read the Word of God and pray. I can't eat healthy. I, 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 can't, uh, I can't finish my to-do list. I can't finish the homework. I can't do these things. And we make excuses instead of going forward into what God wants us. And I see Saul making this excuse, but I have nothing to give the man of God so we can't go. And Saul is this close to being anointed as the king of Israel. And Saul's offering one big but. I wonder how many of us are this close to seeing what God is really God designed and planned for our lives. How many of us are this close to seeing the purposes and the plans of God, and yet we're willing to make an excuse and step back and go the other way? See, all, <clears throat> all excuses start with that word but, and so many times we're going to miss what God has for us. Where have you been making an excuse how long are you going to let the same excuse keep you from moving forward? How long will you allow it to keep you from being the person God called you to be, from fulfilling that lifelong dream you've had, from stepping into the ministry that God has called you to? Because the reality is, if we want to find an excuse, we can always find an excuse. Amen? And those excuses may stop us from stepping into that place that God has for us. The second thing I tell you about excuses this morning is that excuses come from three places, from pride, fear, and a scarcity mentality. From pride and fear and a scarcity mentality. Let's talk about pride, first of all. Did you catch the thought process that with, with Saul in, in verse 5? He says, come, let's go back to my father, or, or, my, or my father will start thinking about the donkeys and start worrying about me. And he's like, it, it's all about me. And, and, and God will, or my father will start thinking about worrying about me. And so let's go back. It's easy for our ego to kick in on donkey missions, isn't it? This is beneath me. I deserve better than this. If people knew what they were asking me to do, I shouldn't have to do this. This is humiliating. 
I may have told you this, but I'm not sure. <laughs> Years ago, when I felt like God was calling me to full-time ministry, I went to my pastor and I said, Pastor Roy, I, I believe God is calling me to full-time ministry and, 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 and to, to be a pastor and, and to be a preacher. And I was expecting this, yes, Mark, that just makes me so happy. I'm excited for you. I'm going to take you under my wings. I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to teach you how to be a pastor. I'm going to teach you how to preach. Uh, if you knew Pastor Roy, he was, he was still to this day, he's my favorite Pentecostal preacher, man. You, you just waited every Sunday for Roy to get wound up and take off. If you've been in a Pentecostal service like that, you know what I'm talking about. And, and I was expecting that, and Roy looked at me and he said, that's great, Mark. He said, here's what I want you to do. Until I tell you differently, I want you to go serve in the nursery. Those were not the words I was expecting. <laughs> That was not where I, I had two kids, two little kids already at that point. I had changed a lot of diapers. I knew what it meant to go sit in the nursery. I wasn't expecting that. He said, until I tell you differently, I want you to go serve in the nursery. I said, yes, sir, I'll do that. I wasn't happy, wasn't excited, wasn't overjoyed by that. He even went and told the nursery worker, we won't need you for several weeks. Mark's going to take over there. I'm like, can't you at least have her on standby? And I went to work in that nursery. And I began to serve there. And I know one of the things he was trying to teach me was that was, was the, the, the value of servant leadership because Jesus was such a great servant leader. But I believe also one of the things that he was trying to teach me was the importance that nothing is beneath us. Nothing is beneath us. And I remember as I started working in there and I started seeing young couples and young families coming and single moms coming and dropping off their children, dropping them off, and I started seeing the need for somebody in the church to take care of them so that these young parents could go into the church and receive the Word of God and be touched by a move of God. And, and need, there was a need for somebody that was willing to do that ministry. And I began to fall in love with those parents that were dropping off their kids. And I began to fall in love with those kids and taking care of them. And I saw that no matter what happens in life, no matter where I go in ministry, there's nothing that is beneath me. And, and, and pride could only, do, only serve to get in my way to think that I am above going into a nursery and changing a diaper on a child. Pride can get in our way. Pride can keep us from being what God has called us to be. This is beneath me. But I want to tell you something. I learned that lesson. And I sat in there with the, in that nursery, and then my pastor began to mentor me. He began to teach me. And I got all the things I wanted to afterwards, but I had to learn that pride would hold me back from being who God had called me to be. Let me just stop and piggyback on that for a second. Man, you ask any pastor, any children's church worker, any, anybody who's led a children's ministry, ask them about recruiting volunteers. And you know what they do? They generally bow their heads and shake their heads. It's the hardest thing in the world. You know where the biggest butts come out in church? It's when we ask people to work in children's ministries. But... I got this to do. I got that to do. I, but, 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 but. I want to tell you, man, there's a place and a need 
because young moms and dads need, a t need the availability and they need some time to come into the church. Yeah, they're going to take their turn in there too, but they need some time to be able to come into the sanctuary and hear the word of God and let God speak to them, let God instruct them, let God move in their life. And we as a church should not have anything that we should not be in a place where it's too much for us to go and serve in that place. Amen? Not in my notes. That's a freebie for you. No cost for that one. Don't let pride get in the way of serving God because I can tell you that working in a nursery was one of the greatest sources of blessings in my life and I learned that I could really bless people if I was willing to serve. It also comes out of fear. Excuses come out of fear. Well, the servant offers a viable option. Look at what Saul says again. Saul said to a servant, but if we go, what can we give the man? The food in our sacks is gone. We have no gift to take to the man of God. What do we have? He instantly jumps into a fear model. What can we give? Our food is gone. We don't have a gift. How often in our lives do we live in fear and let fear hold us back as well? I don't have anything to wear. I don't have time. What will people think? We can't afford it. The house isn't clean. We're going to run out. What is it that makes us react that way? In a word, it's fear. Fear of rejection. Fear of failure. Saul was afraid as if he showed up at the prophet's meeting with all the customary, without all the customary stuff, he would be rejected. What Saul was thinking was, what if I'm not good enough? I want to say to you this morning, I wonder how many sitting here this morning have stopped from going forward and stepping into God's will out of the fear of what if I'm not good enough? What if I'm not good enough? What if I don't have what it takes? What if, I, what if I don't have all the skills and the gifts and the talents? What if I just simply am not good enough? Oh, I'm reminded of so much of what the Scripture says about us. You know the Bible says that God knit you together in your mother's womb? Bible also says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Jesus told us, he said that, that not one sparrow falls to the ground outside of the will of the Father. And don't you know that you are worth more than many sparrows? Oh, I believe so many times as children of God, we look at ourselves and we live in that fear. What if I'm not good enough? But I want to tell you, man, if you've come to Jesus Christ and the blood of Jesus has been applied to your life and God has set you forth to do something for him, then God has made you good enough. You may not feel like you're good enough, but I'm telling you, don't let that hold you back. Step through that fear. Step through that place of feeling like you're not good enough and step into what God has called you to do and watch what God will do in your life as he uses you to do amazing things. Amen? Oh, I truly believe that God wants to use us and work through us and we've got to step through that thing. What if I'm not good enough? Man, God's got a purpose for you. Don't live in that. The last part of that is excuses also come from a scarcity mentality. When the servant offers a viable option, Saul, Saul saw through the eyes of scarcity, not faith. We don't have enough. Essentially, Saul says, we don't have enough bread or money. Said another way, we just don't have enough. The servant saw what could be done, and Saul saw what couldn't. 
And when I think of this example, I always go back to the story of Elijah and the widow in the Old Testament. It's a story in the Old Testament. Elijah was the prophet of God. This is what happened before Saul came along. Elijah was the prophet of God, and there was a drought going through the land of Israel. And because of the drought, there was also a famine. They didn't have enough food. They didn't have, they, they, if you don't have water, you can't grow food. And the prophet was being taken care of by some ravens at a brookside, and even that dried up. And that's where we enter the story. I want to read the story to you for a moment because it's so important when you think that you don't have enough to do what God has called you to do. In 1 Kings chapter 17, beginning in verse 7, it says, Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. The word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. Now let's not skip right past this for just a moment. It's easy for us to skip past this, but think about that. He told Elijah, go over here and there will be a widow there that will take care of you. And Elijah gets there and what's there? A widow there to take care of him. You think God can't provide for you? God can make a widow show up out of nowhere for you? Man, he did that for Elijah. God can take care of you. God will take care of you. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. That's pretty rough times. That's a pretty tough place she's in. She's preparing a last meal for her son and herself. But the prophet speaks to her. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said. But first, make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. And then make some, something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. The jar of flour will not be used up. And the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. Now she has a choice at this point. She has a choice. She can look at the man of God and say, you have no clue what you're talking about, pal. There's nothing more in this land. And that jug I had, that, that little jar of flour is just barely enough to make a, a loaf. That jug of oil, it just has just barely enough in it that I can, I can use it to make that loaf. You have no clue what you're talking about, pal. I'm not going to give you a loaf of bread and then me and my son not even get a last meal. Or she had a choice to believe that even in the scarcity of her life, God could do a miracle. And you look at verse 15, it says, She went away and she did 
as Elijah told her. And then the next part is the best. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. In the midst of this drought, in the midst of this famine, in the midst of her having just enough to serve one meal, last meal to her and her son, and to starve to death in the next few days, God came on the scene and said, trust me. I've got you in mind. I've got you on my heart. I've got something for you and I'm going to take care of you. But you need to step out into the faith to trust me. Don't let your fear keep you from stepping into what God wants you to do. Don't let the lack of faith or the scarcity mentality stop you from stepping in. You may feel like you do not have what it takes to step into what God's got for you or to continue going forward in God. But I'm telling you today, if we will step into what God's got us and if we'll keep going forward, God's got something there for us and God is capable of doing the miraculous. See, God didn't stop doing miracles in the Old Testament. God still does miracles today. God still does miracles today. You say, Pastor, what what do you mean by God does miracles today? You know what? God still does miracles today, and here's the proof. The greatest miracle that God ever does in a man or woman's life is when we come to God and we pray and we ask him to forgive us of our sins and he forgives us of our sins because of the blood of Jesus Christ and the Bible says that he makes us into a new person. The old man is gone. The greatest miracle that God does ever in a man or woman's life is to save them from their sins, to forgive them and to reconcile them unto him and make them children of God, to make them a new creation. And if God's still doing that miracle today, then surely he could feed us. Surely he could take us forward in ministry. Surely he could do great things in us. Amen? Oh. You say, what gets you excited, Pastor? I get so excited about Jesus. I'm telling you, I've not always been a good man. And I don't sometimes think of myself today as a good man. But I know this much. I know that this man in all of his brokenness and in all of the ruin I had done in my life, one day I came to Jesus and I knelt down in an altar of a church in Las Vegas, Nevada of all places, knelt down in that church and I asked God to forgive me and to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And in that place, he saved me. He forgave me. He set my feet on a right path and I'm walking for him and living for him and in love with him to this day. And it's only because of Jesus that I am anything that I am. It's because of of what he did in my life. Otherwise, this man's life would have been in ruin. God did that miracle. Can I not believe him to do greater miracle, other miracles in me later on in my life? I've got to believe him to do that. Because you see, the third thing is how we overcome excuses. And it's the same way that the widow did. We overcome our excuses with faith. We overcome our excuses with faith. It's so powerful to me that the servant chose to see through eyes of faith, and Saul, who was about to be anointed king over Israel, couldn't even have the slightest measure of faith. The servant answered him, and I wonder, I think we read this kind of blasé sometimes, but I think the servant was kind of done with Saul at this point. 
And I wonder if he kind of read it. The servant answered him, look, he said, I've got a quarter of a shekel of silver. I'm going to give it to the man of God so that he will tell us which way to take. I wonder if he kind of chastised Saul at that moment. I wonder if he was kind of done and instead of saying, hey, look, let's just go try this. I wonder if he was kind of done because I'd have been done with Saul at this point too, man. Hey, look, dude, God, your, your dad has sent us on this thing. We're going to go do this mission, and the man of God is right here. He's just around the corner. All we've got to do is walk around the corner. I'll give him this half a, a shekel of silver, which amounted to about 50 cents, and, and, and we'll ask him what he can do. You know, Saul almost missed the blessing of God over 50 cents. Wow. That ought to hit us, amen? He almost missed the blessing of God for his life. He almost missed being anointed king over Israel over 50 cents. And his servant's like, hey, we're going on. We're going forward one way or the other. I'm going forward, and we're going to see what's going to happen, what's going to happen here. Church, your little bit of faith is worth a lot more than you think it is. 50-cent faith can open a door to your destiny if you'll step into what God has for you. I get it. You look around the world, and things are overwhelming. Sometimes the missions that we find ourselves on seem like they are pointless and without purpose. But if we continue on the path that God has called us to and don't give up and don't stop, God will take us into that place, just like he did Saul, where Saul found himself being anointed as king of Israel. But we have a choice to make. We can see things through the eyes of scarcity. We can see things through the eyes of pride. We can see things through the eyes of fear, or we can see things through the eyes of faith. I didn't realize this morning, I saw a pair of glasses. I don't know, maybe you don't have this problem, but I'm getting a little older. And so I keep little readers, pairs of readers all around the house. And I keep them all over just because I, I got to have them if I'm going to read something. I can read things across the room just as well. If I, if, I, if I hadn't put my whole sermon up on the TV screen back there, I'd be okay. I could read it all. But up close, man, it's hard. And I got in the car. I saw this in the car yesterday, this little pouch with a pair of glasses in it, and I picked it up. These are my old readers. They're not quite strong enough. I got a stronger prescription now. So I'm struggling sometimes to read. I think sometimes we're struggling because we're looking at things through the eyes of excuses and through the eyes of fear and pride and scarcity, and we need a new prescription. We need a prescription of faith where we will look at things that maybe it looks terrible out there. I get it. I look at the world today paying 4 or $5 for a gallon of gas. I went to the grocery store the other day, and a, just a regular jug of milk was $4. Lord, have mercy. When do you think you'd pay that? I get it as I look around. Things are coming up in our world that we go, what in the world's happening? It seems like impossible. How am I going to walk through this and still 
do what God has called me to do. I'm going to tell you it's faith. We're going to have to have the faith that that widow had that says, no matter what, even though it looks like I could die, I'm going to serve God first and watch what God does in my life. How many of you have ever sang the song when you were a kid in Sunday school, he's got the whole world in his hands? Remember that song? I'd sing it, but I stink at singing. <laughs> you might all leave if I started singing. He's got the whole world in his hands. We sang that song, didn't we? But do we believe it? Well, he's got the whole world in his hands, but, but not my wayward child. He's got the whole world in his hands, but he probably can't do anything with the elections coming up. He's got the whole world in his hands, but he doesn't know how bad my finances are. He's got the whole world in his hands, but he doesn't know how bad my relationship is. He's got the whole world in his hands, but he surely doesn't know how bad I am. He can't fix me. He can't do anything for me. And we make those excuses instead of trusting that God truly does love us and God truly does have a purpose for us and God truly does have a mission for us and God truly does want to reconcile us unto him and use us to do great things for him. Do we really believe he's got the whole world in his hands? Mark, would you come this morning? Saul almost missed his destiny because of excuses. I don't know what it's like to be a king. I can only imagine what it's like to be a king over a nation. There's a lot of responsibilities, but there's a lot of perks of the job, amen? And you're the king. Go get me a steak, would you? I'd like a little lobster with that too, if you don't mind. I mean, you're the king. You can, you can ask for anything. Saul almost missed the calling of God to be the king over a nation because of his excuses. I hope we don't miss the calling of God to do great things in the kingdom of God because of our excuses. I look around what's going on in our world today, and if there was ever a time that our world needs Jesus, it's today. If there was ever a time that our world needs men and women of God to stand up and show them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, if there was ever a time when people are questioning and asking those questions, it's now. And I don't want us to miss our destiny to share with others that, who God is and to step into the place of ministry and calling that God has for us. It's not just about full-time pastors. It's about every one of us that has a place of ministry and calling in God. And I don't want us to miss that because we're willing to make an excuse. And so I just want to ask you this morning, what excuses have you been making in what area of your life have you been living by fear and scarcity instead of faith? What areas have you been doing that? 
Instead of standing up and saying, I know the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I know the God who loved me enough to send his son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I know the God who is able to, to feed a widow and her son throughout an entire, entire drought and have her jar of flour and of oil never dry up. That's the God I serve. What excuse do I have? And will we be willing to step in in faith this morning? Would you stand with me this morning? <coughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We serve a great God, an awesome God. God that loves us. God that sent his son to die on the cross for us. And I hope this morning when things seem pointless in your life you'll look and say, you know what, I'm not going to make any excuse to turn back. I know what's behind me. But I know God's got something in front of me. And it's purpose. And it's his plans. And it's his will for my life. And I don't want to make an excuse and miss what God has for me. I want to ask you to take a few moments as Mark leads us in a song. And just consider, what excuses have I been making? And take that moment and offer yourself back up to God. And